0: Hello and welcome to Perspective. This is a show by founders of small indie creative agencies giving our perspective on starting or running our own companies. The aim is to provide some useful advice and inspiration to others, as well as learn from each other and others we get to come talk on the show. This is our 12th episode. My name is John Dark. I'm a director at Every Interaction. And joining me today, we have a very special guest, Murat Mutlu from Marvel App. Hello, Murat. Hi, John. How are you doing? Not too bad, thank you. Excellent. Long time no see. Yeah, definitely. It's good to finally catch up. How long ago was it that we um, when we met?
1: So I came and did some guerrilla user testing on you to find out some of the faults you had in Marvel. Probably around uh, nearly two years ago now.
0: Crikey, yeah, you've come a long way since then. Yeah,
1: the app works now, <laughs> uh, which it, it didn't back then.
0: Oh, we've all been hearing some uh, some great things in the design industry about it. That's good. That's good. At least can't wait to see what you're you're going to come up with next. Nice. So what we thought we'd talk about today is just a sort of background on where you got to where you are, because you used to be an agency man, didn't you?
1: Yeah, I used to be agency through and through. Um, that was almost every job I had since I left uni. Mm. I, I left uni, got into an experiential agency, then I went into a mobile agency, then I went into a digital agency, and I kind of went up, kind of up the chain through a junior creative, and then into a kind of design junior user experience, and then full senior user experience designer.
0: Lovely, nice. And in those roles, were you, you were a designer the whole time? Were you a developer, a user experience person, or a bit of everything?
1: So when I first started out, there, wasn't, there was no such thing as user experience. It was, um, it was just called something else. And at that time, I was mostly mostly doing just UI design. It was actually UI design and just trying to get flows right. Um, even then, there wasn't wireframing. And as time progressed, and because it was the an agency and marketing was a big part of it, a lot of my time was spent around coming up with concepts uh, for, for campaigns, which was fun um, until you know clients told you no the majority of the time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I didn't get too, um, too much into code. I, I did a lot of stuff in my spare time to pick it up. I read a lot of books um, and that sort of stuff. But mostly I was always in Photoshop.
0: Yeah, very similar story, really. That's what happens when you've been doing this for a little while.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I like to leave the code to to the smarter people uh, because I just make a mess of things. I can put something together, but it just won't be great. So I don't touch any code at Marvel unless it's like, a WordPress theme, or <laughs> I need to put in like some inline styles to break stuff. Like I'll, I'll do that, but I mean I, I won't touch anything that goes into
0: production. Fair enough. <laughs> so along this journey of um, you know working in-house at these agencies, how did you come up with the idea for Marvel? Were you, were you seeing the challenges of of what you were trying to achieve in that job, and there just weren't the tools around to do it?
1: Yeah, so I mean I, I was always making stuff in my spare time with um with my co-founder now Brendan and Jonathan. And um, we, you know, we kept making just little things like just real throwaway um, landing pages or mini apps and things like that. And it wasn't until I was at an agency um, doing a bit of freelance work when I ran into this problem where every single time we would present my designs, the client would, um, you know, pick another agency to do the work. And I was always kind of convinced that it wasn't my designs, uh, which it could have been. But uh, I was convinced it was the way we were presenting the work. I just mm. didn't think that you should be presenting mobile app and tablet designs in a PowerPoint. So I ended up starting to put my designs onto the photo roll of a device and presenting them just as a slideshow. And I found that every single time I did that, the clients were just like, you know, their minds were blown. Um, so we ended up winning uh, you know, more projects, getting better feedback. And I just liked the way my work looked. Um, when I showed it uh, you know, directly on the device. But the the process of doing it was a pain. You couldn't really give it to a client because there was no way to send it. You can't really tell a client, oh, so save these 50 images to the photo roll. Um, that wouldn't work either. So I just wanted a, a really simple way to put together interactive prototypes of my design. At that point, I, I kind of got in touch with Brendan. I said, I've got this idea. You know, should we hack something together? Um, and we did. And then that's kind of how Marvel started. Prototyping was kind of a new thing. Um, and it wasn't until people started to actually see the benefit of it in the business, whether it was winning a pitch or it was making a client some money, you know, then it, it started to get taken a bit more seriously and, and become part of a workflow. But, you know, fast forward to now, like every, there's no one that isn't prototyping. You know, it's just become fundamentally you know, a part of everyone's design workflow, which is great.
0: Yeah. I experienced pretty similar things in my agency days. This is pre app, pre app store days. So it was all web work. I remember very vividly going into meetings and printing stuff out, putting it on Mount board, taking that into client meetings, <laughs> trying to explain to people a journey going from sort of point A to point B by simply pointing on a card and, and flipping it around to the next one. It's really mad men style.
1: Wow, I actually forgot about that until you mentioned it. But yeah, we used to do that as well. Um, and we used to do it with websites and like mobile sites. So some of them used to be like four, 5,000 pixels long. So you'd have this massive mounted, uh, you know, like print. And it was just it didn't make any sense at all. And you try and show someone what, you know, what a link from 3,000 pixels down goes to. On another on another mounted board,
0: which is of the same length, and you're like just pointing it, just it just
1: made no sense at all.
0: I remember hacking something together with a friend, and we just made a um, a simple HTML template where you could upload a single image as a background image into a browser, so it would allow um, yeah sort of scrolling, and the width the width didn't matter so much, and you could define your own background color with inline CSS, just clicking anywhere on that image just advanced you to the next frame. And so by putting the frames in a certain order, you could simulate an experience of sorts. And as long as you knew the things you had to click on in what order to sort of make it look like what you were clicking on was advancing you to the next frame, it sort of made this, made this experience and it completely transforms the way that we were presenting and also the way that the clients were able to understand exactly what it is that we were trying to communicate to them. And the feedback was, was so much better as a result.
1: So those HTML and CSS clickable prototypes was what I was trying to get the dev team to do in the agency. But there's no re- no one wants to do it. There's no resource, right? They're, you always they're like, oh, we're working on live projects or we're doing this, we're doing that. So that just ended up annoying me because I, I don't like to feel that I'm not empowered to be able to do what I want to do with, with my work. So that's kind of another reason why why Marvel came along is because I, I got fed up of asking other people to do this stuff,
0: yeah, fair enough, so um it started off as a side project, yep, started off a side project, you know a couple of
1: evenings or not a couple of evenings, but evenings and weekends for a few months just after work, and yeah, and we got we got the first version out which was enough to be able to attract an angel investor and also to get a little bit of traction. I mean, we, we went from bedroom to angel funding so quickly that it was still very raw. It, the whole thing was just put together as, as quick as possible. So we ended up being live for about a month, month and a half when we actually had a public sign up. And then, you know, from there, we got the angel funding and it just went full time on it.
0: And did you get angel funding while it was still a side project or had you totally committed by that point?
1: No, it was still a side project. Um, I was I was freelancing anyway. You no, know, it wasn't really a problem for me to start. I think the same for Brendan at the time as well. Yeah, it was it was side project until it wasn't. You know, we just had to work out how to be a startup, which is I think around about the time me and you, me and you met. Um, it wouldn't have been too too long after that when we were just like, what do we do now? Someone was just giving us some money.
0: <laughs> nice, and it was the three of you, Brendan and Jonathan. Did you say?
1: Yeah, that's right. So, um, I'm a designer Brendan does kind of full stack, but very, very strong on, on end and infrastructure and Jonathan does iOS development and can also do backend, but he, he built our iOS app and continues to work on that.
0: And at what point did you guys realize that, you know, you had something that was really worth focusing on here and, and go into it full time?
1: That's a good question. I think when we first started to get, I think we got to a few hundred signups um, and we had a waiting list, which was massive as well. We had a few thousand people on a waiting list. And I, I kind of remember saying this to Brendan. I was like, this is the first thing I, I think we've done as a side project that actually has a revenue model, whereas all the other things didn't. I mean, they were they were just completely for fun. So at that point, it was starting to look more and more like it could be a business. And with the people kind of waiting on the waiting list and, and signing up, it, and we started to get engagement numbers and we started to feel like the there was a little bit of traction and the, the funny thing is, is like at the time a few hundred people just seems like a few million people you know when you're just starting like it just it's just to get one or two people sign up a day was amazing for us and it just really gave us the the energy to keep going and just like figure okay you know how can we turn this into 10 people a day and we got really really happy when it was 10 people a day and then it's like okay 20 30 40 and then you just keep going and then yeah it just kind of snowballed from there but when we convinced a investor that this could be a business then we we really realized that there was a lot more potential to what we'd built than we had even thought about previously um, and that's the great thing with investors and, and then you're raising money is like you start thinking bigger picture and every funding stage or new employee that you get help expand your mind to the possibilities of the tech you built or the industry or tons of other stuff so it's it's really interesting and that's why we started off as a very niche tool which was just purely for designers and we just wanted to help people in design teams and now we're broadening out into lots of other places so it's, it's kind of an exciting time
0: cool that funding you mentioned is that when you got your first would you call it a series a the
1: so we got we've done two three rounds so far we did angel round and we did two seed rounds and the angel round was for like 60k seed round was in total, I think it was about 1.8 million. And then from that, you know, we'll likely raise another round as well, um, which would be a series A.
0: And I guess it's those big injections of cash that just allows you to scale and bring bring new talent in.
1: Yeah, exactly. So that's the main part is that when something's working, you've just got to double down on that bit. You do that and then another opportunity comes up. And then either through the work you're doing or the people that you've hired, you're able to attract more talent. Hopefully you've seen some of the stuff we've been putting out. And the good thing about all that, you know, it really resonates with people who want to hire. So whether it's a style guide, or it's canvas, or it's something else, the kind of people that want to work on that stuff, they they get really excited by it, and they they get in touch. So we're in a very lucky position where we get a lot of inbound interest from potential hires, and we're able to find really smart people.
0: Nice. I mean, as a designer, as a fellow designer, I've always sort of been interested in side projects and doing our own products and stuff, but we've largely avoided it for the... um, getting paid to do client work and the agency model yeah as a designer have you found that working on a single product instead of the sort of agency model of working on lots of clients has that changed you as a designer in any way
1: so i've had this debate before with, with someone they were like you know the great thing about agencies is you get a lot of different stuff coming through the door all the time and you're kept fresh you get to work on new technologies all that other stuff but i never i mean i'm not gonna lie i didn't i didn't enjoy it hard hardly any of the projects I worked on I mean the, the fulfilling things are products the fi- the things that last a long time and aren't just throw away or based on a campaign or based on some sort of marketing you know the, the great thing is I get to speak to users day in day out and h- listen to what they're saying improve the product speak to customers um, launch new parts of the product regularly so you know right now we started off with the prototyping part uh, of the platform but there's collaboration now there's you know there's explore there's canvas there's all these different things which are all they're all mini products you know they're part of one big platform but they're interesting and they're exciting to launch and you're not bound by anything either so i'm not we're not bound by clients budget we're not bound by their their vision or what they want to do or what that stakeholder thinks is the right thing to do which always used to annoy me as well agencies like you could you could have this incredible idea for the brand. But if that stakeholder in an agency just doesn't get it, like they might not get Snapchat, they might not get Instagram because they don't use it. So they won't sign off this amazing API integration between Instagram, like, and all these other things and to make this amazing web app, they won't sign off. But here, the the only thing that we're bound by is is time. Like, you know, we, we have to, we like to move fast. And there are some projects which, um, you know if it 's going to take a year to do, we would think about it hard um and that that would be the reason to not do it but i mean that 's the great thing we We can explore new things, we can be innovative, we can take risks, and you know we can have fun at the same time so i 've never really been too bothered working on the same thing, and hopefully the guys here feel the same way is that there 's enough different parts of the product coming their way um that hopefully
0: no week or month is the same Nice, nothing 's out of scope no no feature is too big to consider taking on
1: there are lots of different things to take into account but if it's like this thing would really change the platform change the way our users work or or, you know amazing source of revenue or or engagement then we would definitely sit down and think about it you know we, we move pretty fast as a team anyway so we've got some insanely good designers and developers here um, and there is nothing I, I, they couldn't do. You know, you feel very confident that whatever direction you're going to go in, you've got a team to be able to execute it. And that's kind of, that's an amazing thing to have.
0: How do you find those people? How have you been getting these really great designers and developers?
1: Okay, it's just a mixture of things. So some came through just applying for the job, some through just networking, some through just fo- me following them on you know, their work and, and reaching out to them. And developers, uh, let me try and think who came from where so i mean most of them i'd say the developers had come from applying for the job and we we do a thing where we we take people on a on a trial basis before joining so we want to make sure that everyone has some time with the team some time with the products before coming on board so we take out uh, this this part which is the unknown part of like when you join a new company that from day one you know exactly who you're going to work with the culture of the team the vibe, all this stuff, like it's just taken off the table, so you could just relax and get into it straight away. So that's one part, and that's kind of why for for a small team in this space, I think we've done really well.
0: And it's, you said just seventeen today, so how how's that team makeup breakdown?
1: Um, it's two uh, people on support, and I would say the the designer designer developer thing's a bit blurred because every everyone in the design team can develop, uh, so. So we've got uh, one, two, three, four designers who can all code. And then we have two JavaScript developers and I'm going to get all these numbers wrong now. um, (laughs) And about five backend engineers and another two JavaScript developers. (laughs) (laughs) That's interesting. I didn't realize there'd be so much JavaScript. There's a lot of JavaScript going on. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to quickly... Have a look at something which has a has an org chart in. oh wow okay <laughs> so okay so we have uh three co-founders four back-end engineers five front-end engineers one ios engineer and two people on support and then two people on canvas and I have taken out the word designer out of all of those because all of those guys are in, you know, they're all doing development. So pretty much, you've got like a
0: hybrid of design and development going on. Yeah, which is really good for us, actually. I mean, it's, I think it's um, really good for most startups. I think it seems yeah. seems to be the product way. I mean, it, I I still think that doesn't work so brilliantly in a lot of agency environments. But I think if you're working on a product in house, I think it's it's the way to go.
1: Yeah, I, see, I think it's amazing. I think it's just amazing how I've switched on younger. Designers and developers are now. They're just so into loads of different things. And if you're a startup and you want to move fast, then it really does take out a huge amount of friction between getting design and development done. I don't think it's, you know, there are some agencies who split UX and um, development and UX and UI design, all that other stuff. And I think that's fine. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I don't necessarily think a designer needs to be able to code. But if you don't have the luxury of, you know a whole team on ux a whole team on ui a whole team on, on development then you know people who can do both incredible yeah i would
0: completely agree with that and back to your earlier point about agency life and and leaving that behind i mean i completely agree that working on products is the way forward and i think that's partly why every interaction has double down on products and steered away from marketing advertising stuff and perhaps to an extent even websites and yeah working on products just gives you this this extra sense of achievement as a designer and it can take you so far and what I'd really like to know is you haven't been there You you know with your agency work that you have done it was always in the ad world and not necessarily in an agency doing product stuff for clients but is there an element of that uh, agency life that you think you might miss? Not really.
1: <laughs> no, not not really. No. I don't know any uh, there's not I mean, I, I did enjoy the social, but I enjoy the social here as well. I mean you know clients used to send more free stuff than we get. Other that you know, when you used to used to get someone like Sky or uh Budweiser, you'll just get a crate of beer or, or some or some You know, cupcakes or something but here oh
0: man i gotta get into marketing (laughs) we don't get any free stuff (laughs) yeah
1: in marketing trust me there's so much free stuff getting sent all the time no there's not really much i miss um we like to do things that we weren't able to do when we were working
0: at the places we worked at so i think that's the benefit to uh, anyone starting their own company really whatever they're doing right you exactly it's like uh you want to do things better than what you experience because you want to make a really great place to work for everybody you employ
1: yeah you know as as you get bigger i think it becomes even more important so want to still make sure we're we're paying attention
0: to that sort of stuff even through these busy times so do you get to dabble in design still today or are you you totally uh wrapped up in running the company
1: um i do a little bit but it's just really there's so much to do right it's really infrequent yeah i mean Mm -hmm. uh, the rest of the team now they've they've, they've taken up most of the product design and i'm I'm not like the over the shoulder art director type now. <laughs> I just like I just like yeah, move it left, move it right, or you put a bu- button there.
0: Make the lego bigger.
1: Yeah, that's it. That's me now. <laughs> but no, I I the guys here are fully capable of doing everything. You know, they've made the product what it is today. Like you saw the product when you first um when we first met, it looked
0: nothing like it does now. It's come on leaps and bounds, yeah.
1: Yeah, so, you know, it wasn't me that made it happen. It was the team. Yeah, just have have the complete trust in those guys to 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 execute anything that we're, we're planning to do in the future of prototype and design. That's pretty good. I I'd like to do a bit more, but it's just not possible. It's just really hard. It I do enjoy it still. It's definitely a, a really nice um, outlet of your creativity and stuff. And there's also another reason why you might I like it so much is because it's something you know, you know, because you can just jump into it and you're like, I know this. I I can do this well. Rather than putting yourself in a situation you don't like, like managing Salesforce, like for example, you know, that that's the kind of thing you're like <laughs> oh God, I don't want to log into that again. And then, but you've got to start learning and picking up these things and not going back to what you know. Because I mean, that's a skill you already have. And I I think I've probably, I have practiced a lot of design and I did get myself to a point where I was decent enough to be able to design a a, a product like this. But now it's just like, it's time to learn some new stuff and I
0: and I'll do that. So yeah, I think similar story here as well. I think once once you start to hire some really talented people, you realize you can get better results by managing them and directing them to produce fantastic work rather than you trying and and not getting the same results.
1: Oh, totally. And he, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not even I'm not even anywhere close to these guys. Uh, how how good they are. So yeah, there's no point in me just sticking my oar in and just messing stuff up. So I, I'll I'll leave it to them. I'll do the other stuff, which is more beneficial to the company anyway. Rather than me being in Photoshop for like half a day, there's no there's no benefit to the company in that anymore because I'm not going to do a better job than anyone else here.
0: So, how do you guys come up with new product ideas and directions to start focusing on?
1: So it's it's a mixture of things. Sometimes it's um, speaking to users. This way, that yeah, but they they might spark an idea. It, it's not that necessarily they have the next multi million dollar idea for you. When you speak to enough users, there'll be enough pieces to put together to work on you know what what people really need. And Canvas was a mixture of that. Canvas was a mixture of speaking to users and realizing that okay, uh you have all these designers that use Marvel, but there's also a lot of people who can't design that use Marvel, and we're not doing anything to help those people. And we should be, you know, we, we took the approach. Okay, let's simplify prototyping. Let's make it really fun and playful and easy and take out a, com- a bunch of complexity. Can we do the same with a design tool? You know, is that possible? We don't need to, we don't need to put, every, you know, the kitchen sink in. We just need to help people who aren't doing anything at all because they don't have the tools. So we took that approach and Canvas come up. And then what happens is once you start getting to Canvas, it's amazing because you're just like, oh my God, we this is what about this like this is an incredible opportunity like no one's even doing this let's just just go down this road and you keep like evangelizing the product and stuff you haven't even built yet and it starts turning into a whole big picture which is um which is awesome so yeah that's how kind of canvas came about but most of the time it's speaking to users or realizing flaws in the products um in the flows and just knowing what to improve and, and what to leave or what to remove actually. In the last version of Marvel, when we launched version two, we just removed like a ton of features because they were either becoming too complicated to work around when you're trying to improve UX. You know when you've just got like this awkward feature there and you're like, I hate this feature. Like, does anyone even use
0: it? Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes the better solution is just to strip things away.
1: Yeah, exactly. So we had this. We had, we had a few features like that. You define yourself just like redesign it you're trying to simplify something but then you had this really awkward flow which had to include this feature which was just you know that you knew that probably like a small portion of people use or or not many people understood so it was just easy to get rid of it um and if our our vision is 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 very simple is we want to make sure that design prototyping collaboration is very very easy to use so to keep in line with that we rather than keep adding 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 sometimes you just need to strip stuff out and that's what we did
0: nice i mean I don't know a lot about Canvas yet, and it'd be good to hear you talk about that in a minute if you can, but um, let me just tell you what I'm missing in my workflow at the moment, and you can tell me how close Canvas comes to that. Okay. So, we're, we're looking for some tools at the moment. So, we do a lot of wireframing, a lot of prototyping before we start getting into design, you know, quickly sketching stuff down. We always start on paper, sketching stuff out as a team, whiteboards, and then when we need to start moving onto the screen, the first thing we do is we start doing some wireframing, and... As yet, I have yet to find a better application for doing this fast and in a way that doesn't look overly designed, which I think Wireframe shouldn't be. Mm. We use Balsamic because it's super, super fast and it's really good to throw stuff together, but it's overly simple in some ways in that creating multiple canvases is a bit clunky. Getting stuff out of Balsamic is really clunky and you can sort of prototype in it, but it spits out an interactive PDF, which is a bit messy. So we end up exporting a load of pngs and then we upload them into envision and then we connect everything up as we would our final designs and make interactive prototypes that way now we, we do the same thing with sketch as well but i find that the tools in sketch they're just a bit too good for wireframing you know they're they're design tools you can you can do a fully formed layout in them and as a designer it's really hard to hold yourself back and to me wireframes just shouldn't look that good because you end up Doing the design job in wireframe form and then limiting yourself when you get to the creative UI design part of the process later. And to me, that's just not what wireframing is about. If you get hung up on the details too soon, you start to lose the objectivity around the problems you're trying to solve in wireframe form, which is just meant to be fast and sketch like. And we only do it digitally because of the the additional benefits you get from using digital tools such as you know easy duplication of canvases moving elements around being able to drop in libraries of of controls and contents and yeah sketch to me is just a little bit too good for that stuff and we've tried adobe xd we've tried everything under the sun you can possibly think of every single prototyping and wireframing tool out there we've tried them all and from our perspective what we're w- working with today we just can't better it yet. And so for the most part we tend to stick with Balsamic. with our current workflow, it's a little bit messy. And what I want, the dream, it doesn't exist yet and maybe Canvas is going in this direction. There's some super fast prototyping app with a whole library of UI elements so I can chuck in and move around the scale. It'll work sort of like Sketch whether you can put loads of canvases and, and draw loads of stuff and connected flows and then switch into prototyping mode and just, just say, right, when I click this button, it goes to this screen. And when I click this, it goes here. And this is an end link and it goes to here. And this is a dropdown. And when I click this, I want it to open and there'll be these options in. And I want these fields to a user can click on and they can actually type stuff. And it isn't doing anything, but it's simulating a process that you can then go and test and, and present back to the client and do user tests on and, and gather feedback. Okay. How close is Canvas to that?
1: So, so that's that's the part of Canvas we've told everyone about. You know, that's not even the bits we haven't told anyone about. So, okay. So, Canvas will do that by default. Like, that's just the basic need for it to do uh, what it needs to do. But there's loads of stuff it's going to do beyond that, which is just, like just amazing. It's going to be so good. I can't tell you about those things, but your basic need will be covered by Canvas, and it will do it a lot better than what you're using now.
0: Excellent. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, and will provide you several million more assets than than the ones you probably have in, in Balsamic. So, um, yeah, so basically, yeah, that's going to be covered.
0: Fantastic. So is it's all going to be in a browser? Is that the plan? Could be. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? <It's laughs> I, like a... I did see a little sneaky thing on Twitter the other day with a um, with an iPad and a pencil. That looked very promising. Oh, yeah. I mean, so the iOS one, that's been announced. So that's that's on the way. Because I had this dream of, of getting rid of my my work computer, because I basically don't touch Photoshop anymore either. I'm just managing people and mostly emailing and writing documents and doing some prototyping and and testing and things. And yeah, I've got this dream of just working on an iPad Pro and that being my machine. But still having the ability to sort of dabble and and play with some prototypes and sketch some stuff down and share it with the team. So
1: Yeah, wouldn't that be nice? I mean that you know it's different shows for different folks, right? There's there's a lot of people who who contact us and just say, I only use the iPad or the iPad Pro to work. I don't want to jump into marvel web you know with 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 a product like this you you can't really tell how many different people use it in different ways like we hear certain things so we've got like kids using it in schools we've got people in marketing teams using it you've got designers then you've got just entrepreneurs you've got people out in the field testing there's always loads of different ways we hear about people making a prototype or making a design or or turning sketches into prototype which is which all really interesting yeah we want to make sure that whatever we do can help people do whatever they want without barring them to a certain platform um and the great thing is the team have built marvel in a way which is going to make it so easy to move across multiple platforms soon we spent the last four or five months re-architecting stuff and we were already pretty fast but what we wanted to do is just make sure that we we continued to be fast and get even faster at shipping shipping features so the next round of Marvel updates will just allow us to do a ton of stuff, and being cross-platform and, and being multiple use cases is, is one of them. And we want to start, you know, introducing new product ranges and, and stuff to the to the platform, like Canvas, so every device can utilize what we've done. Sounds exciting! I can't wait to play with it. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be good. I'll, I'll send you a I'll send you a version. Hey,
0: <laughs> cool! Uh, anything else you can tease or want to want to share with everybody? What's the latest thing you released? I saw this uh, style guide thing the other day. What's all that about?
1: So that is down to uh, a couple of people in the in the front end team. So it, it started from a, a while back. So maybe early on in Marvel, realized that uh, a lot of designs I would hand over to uh, Oleg, who who's done most of the front end of Marvel when we first started, where every PSD was different, like. if if someone if i'm making a gray i don't go back and get an old gray i just like move the color picker to a gray that kind of looks like the gray i've picked before which which meant that in the in marvel prior to like version one of marvel we had like 30 different grays and uh there was like the fonts were all these different colors so i I wanted to get a style guide sorted out, and then when we acquired Plexi, which is what turned into Canvas, Column joined the team, and Column had some amazing ideas about how to create a style guide, and he brought those those ideas into the business. We took them on because they were they were amazing. The style guide is what came out from that. Um, so Columns, you know, Columns have spent a bunch of time sorting that out. Yav and Oleg have all contributed to it, and now it's this awesome single source of truth, which we're going to open source and should. It makes development here really easy, so the backend team no longer have to you know take graphics from us and don't need any of that. They just jump into the style guide and, and grab stuff it's just, so it's really streamlined our process
0: so it's mostly sort of um, it's like CSS style guide for a project basically
1: yeah, but there's that, there's a, it's done in a particular way which is column is the best person to speak to about this, but it's um, it's basically done in a way which which is going to allow us to so not only just have it on the web as well, but we're we're gonna use the same style guide for iOS and kind of make, build a JSON for it. So we'll have it cross-platform. So any anything we're building can use the same style guide. So it's not just it won't just be CSS. It won't just be. It'll work on Objective C. It'll work on Android. It's a big play in that area. And that's you know that post gone crazy. So there's loads of activity around it. Loads of people asking how it was done. And that's the kind of stuff we do, right? you have got loads of smart people and want to make sure their their great ideas are exposed in on the blog or in some other way. And there's more of that to come actually. There's a lot more going on in the engineering team that we want to tell people about. Not just because it, it does obviously look good for us, but also it helps anyone else. Um and whether we open source it or, or do whatever, like we want to make sure we contribute back to the community.
0: That's really good. Yeah, yeah. I mean on the Star Guide front we do similar things and we're just doing things in Photoshop these days. It's good to when you're just thinking about an interface for the web, uh, it's it's good to have Yeah some common elements like we'll, we'll create a, a um, palette of, of all the colors that we're allowed to use or that, that we developed as part of the design system that we've evolved. And then it's a permanent PSB element in every PSD that we've got. So it's like a, a shared global element. And if you change it in one place, it will be updated everywhere. So you're always, you're always uh, you know using your eyedropper on the same place and getting the same value rather than trying to yeah. grab it out of some text or a, a one pixel line or something.
1: Exactly. So we, we were doing a bit of that and then um uh, have set, set up um our, our psds like that yeah i mean w- when now that we've got it in css it's like everyone can benefit from it
0: yeah we do it on bigger projects we do like a um in photoshop first one we'll mock-up like a star sheet that gets built into css and then it all that's basically the, the toolkit for the developers to use and all the stars are just written in one place there's, there's one of everything in one long page basically and it's super helpful in making sure you, you keep consistent and people just don't go you know adding something new into the mix and yeah, yeah, and giving stuff back to the community is great. I mean, we do that as well with the resources on our site, and it's it's really good for PR, for one. Absolutely, It gives you lots of traffic, and uh, yeah, it's it's also fun to do, right? These little side projects, it, I imagine they're are the sorts of things that really get people excited because it gives them gives them a, a bit of a break and a bit of a diversion, and that helps them when they're coming back to working on the main product to be sort of excited and invigorated.
1: It's true we um we did a few side projects actually that were completely unrelated to the main products Um, we entered a few hack days we released pick deck um tuna what was the other thing we did um <laughs> we uh released something called Swapbox, and that that won a prize at the dropbox hackathon there's a few other things like that and i just think they' they're really good to do you know we're trying to plan another one now actually now that the team's getting bigger we should yeah you know, we hopefully should be able to split up and do a whole range of things in an internal hack day so kind of excited to see what the next one is
0: cool um yeah anything else you'd like to share
1: there's a lot of stuff under wraps
0: there's some big stuff coming
1: there's always big stuff coming right like it's a, yeah we've got a, a few things that are, that're going to get released this month next month and progressively moving on and and getting bigger and bigger as 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 as, as the summer goes on which is going to be good. Um, But yeah, by the the end of summer, there's going to be some amazing things coming out of this team. So yeah, just watch out for that. Jump on to the blog, which is at blog.marvelapp.com or Twitter, which is at marvelapp.
0: Cool. And if you want to go find out more about Marvel itself, if you haven't tried it yet, I highly recommend entering marvelapp.com into your browser and signing up to have a go with Marvel itself. It is a fantastic tool and everyone there should be really proud of what they've achieved. It sounds like it's going to be a massive year in 2016. Hopefully, hopefully, I look forward to uh, to seeing what you guys come up with. All right, Murat. Well, if if people want to find you, where where can they find you specifically? Um, I'm still
1: tweeting uh, memes at Mutlu82, uh, <laughs> mutlu 2 M-U-T-L-U
0: Good stuff. You're pretty active there, and you're still in the um, designer news quite often. I see. Yeah, I'm still around there, and and yeah, I'm still lurking. I've got that
1: um, panda um chrome extension so oh man that that is a distraction monster <laughs> i know i know it, it's it's good it's good i keep up to date um and every now and then i click on stuff but yeah i, I don't i don't get involved in the
0: comments and design news as much as I used to. but yeah it's a time sink um, but it's it's nice to keep an yeah. eye on what's going on it is yeah cool excellent uh so thanks for listening everybody if you'd like to follow the show we're at underscore perspective fm on twitter perspective.fm on the web any questions comments or feedback please leave them on the website there Uh, if you are listening to us through iTunes please go in and give us a rating that really helps people discover us and we'll see you all next time thanks for coming on Murat no problem
1: thanks for inviting me
0: all right cheers then